Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. This episode was recorded on March 3rd, 2021 and covers Jack and Earl's discussion of Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 7, Unification 3. Uh, welcome, everybody. We are, uh, let's talk about Treks. I am Earl of Grey Tea, and I am sitting here with... Jack Dorino, your boy Jack. <laughs> and again, we are, uh, let's talk about Treks. Let's this is uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 7, uh, Unification 3. What? Unification 3? Yeah, if you guys are just now tuning in, you missed a... Uh, major hecka episode of the last two unifications we did actually do a review of those episodes before jumping into unification three um, we've we've hidden those behind our subscription wall so just go go right to our page check us out and uh and give us a little help link subscribe and uh and we'll give you those extra shows sure. we're giving you a bunch of extra content every month so uh so hit us up let us know yeah, yeah, yeah. let's get into it let me first say when we started this season the first thing i knew was gonna happen mm-hmm. was that we were gonna talk about books like books were gonna happen because when, <laughs> books yeah yeah when, not, yeah <laughs> not only book but also books his relatives yeah man all the books so we <laughs> intentionally created a year of missing space and time okay. right? yeah sure. so that we could do a book on it oh is that what they're doing yeah man like of course they you gotta build these things in but there can't be too much too exciting going on because i mean some people just aren't going to care to read the book i've read uh, almost all the books of star trek discovery at the time of our recording there are eight there's a book on Lorca before Lorca. there's a saru book there's a tilly book there's a there's a pike book there's a Stamets book. There's a tilly book yeah the tilly book's called the weight of the stars it's actually pretty good it's by una mccormack Oddly, the book that is number eight is uh, also by Una McCormack, and that is the one that details the year of missing time of Michael Burnham's life that we didn't see because this, the, the Starship Discovery hadn't arrived yet. One important thing that I'm wondering is, like, she mentioned having her own ship, right? So okay. where is it, man? Like, why haven't we seen it? She said she had her own ship. She told somebody that. So I think that, yeah, that was another one of those little hint drops they're like, hey, we're going to let you know in the books. <laughs> so, so I mean, I highly recommend it. So Una McCormack's really great. Um, I've read several of her books. This book came out on May 18th called Wonderlands. So you can get it on Amazon if you want, 12 bucks. Or you can walk into your B. Dalton if you have a time machine. And uh, if you have trouble finding it, we have, we'll put a, an affiliate link down in the description below. We absolutely will put an affiliate link for Amazon, 100%. Uh, Here's one thing that I'm wondering: Should we do should we do reviews of the books? Um, I don't know how that's gonna work, unless the uh, audiobooks are available. Yeah, because we gotta wait twelve years for you to read the first one, right? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, no offense. Not twelve. Okay, I, I could call you I up and I could like that long to read stuff. Read like a chapter of each book to you every night until you get the whole. The whole there book. you go. I'm not doing that. You know what I want for Christmas? Nintendo 64. Sega Genesis. Oh, that would be sweet. No. What was that one with a big no. laser disc on it? They had like a big... Oh, the Jaguar? Is that what it was? I don't know, man. But it had big laser disc. Like... Yeah, it had that really bad Zelda game. Oh, but it had Dungeons & Dragons, which is dope. Dungeons & Dragons is a cool <laughs> game. I mean, like, not to, not to... I'm not talking about the tabletop either. I'm talking about, like, the video game. They had, like, that... that yeah, 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 night, yeah. And they have, like, the cartoon on the weekends. Dragon Slayer. Yeah, man, that's the one you got to... <laughs> but I guess what I'm expecting after this uh, this opening scene. What are we expecting after the opening scene? I'm expecting a burn and baby because we don't we don't we don't really see people get the do and do the do and jank the janks in uh, in Star Trek like you know how the shuttlecraft you know goes into the shuttle bay and then it sort of like backs out a little bit and then it like goes forward through the force field and backs out a little bit you know we don't really see that. We want to see the shuttlecraft go into the shuttle bay, baby. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see what kind of shuttlecraft book is, book is running around. Is it reconfigurable? There's one thing that I that people have been calling out on all these streaming surfaces for like at least a year now. That is. Is the fact that how these major streaming shows, these very big, very popular, especially fantasy and sci-fi shows yeah. on major streaming networks, it's almost like they have to do this in order to to succeed and make it past their first season. Is somewhere within the first season the major female character of the show has to be shown 
full frontal nudity. Uh, it's because humans are sickening. So this is the closest that Star Trek is get willing to get to full frontal nudity. I'm slice. Did you see uh, when she had those radiation burns and she was in like the fifth element get up? She had like basically like toilet paper wrapped around her. It's not full frontal nudity. That's I mean that's, that's Starfleet underwear. And for Star Trek, that's naked. It's uh, Jaybird. Well, no, it's not because he had Trip and, and <laughs> Paul rubbing oil on each other, just gelling each other down. Yeah, if that's not worth watching Enterprise, I don't know what is. Yeah, well, I watched that, and then when they were done with that, I was like, okay, I'm over it because I was dumb anyway. <laughs> I'm going to watch some Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> they get actually naked. Like, in Battlestar Galactica, bingo card, they sure. they had, like, full frontal male nudity. Like, just briefly, but it was oh, there. Oh, really? Was it the old guy from the bridge? Oh, dude. <laughs> no, it was not ever James almost. Thank you very much. It also was not Colonel Ty. No. It was just, like, some dudes down in the uh, locker room. My hypothesis on why they renamed Vulcan yes, yes. was... um to help with reunification. To kind of say, this is not Vulcan, this is not Romulus 2, this is our new planet, our home planet, that we are calling Navarre. Never is what they called their planet. <laughs> because the unification of Vulcan and Romulus will never happen. Back up for just a second. Oh, I'm backing for, up. Because I was taking you too literally earlier about shuttle bays and having the shuttle doors always open. Is a metaphor. Yes. I, I, I totally got it. But this is my thing, what I figured out about Discovery. Yes. The reason the shuttle bays have always been closed before uh, on the models and in the older shows and stuff, yeah. it's too expensive to show all the details on the inside and people walking around. Ah. Now they can do it with the door open and they do it because they can. And, and, they, and the Discovery might not have a shuttle bay door. Your second explanation about the mind height of a door, I, I like that that explanation because it fits in in universe. Like your first explanation of this is why we showed the door open, that I dig. Like that is probably one hundred percent true because it was. I remember them talking. I remember watching something, some sort of documentary that talked about how they did the. Uh, you know, in the beginning of the show, they have you know they have people like walking around inside the windows. And on documentary, I saw how that was made, and it, it was not as expensive as you would think because it was so small and it was in four eighty p. So all they did was like draw some like vague yeah, tapes yeah, on yeah. a paper. They they had people walking around the on the inside of ships in uh, the movie two thousand one. A space no doubt. Space. Sure. Uh huh. Yep. Um, what they did project up onto the wall of the model with a projector. It was a really big model, but yeah, so, yeah. I, I do like the idea that they're flexing their uh, graphics muscles and they're making sure that, like, we know that they have a handle on this junk. They got a handle on your junk, all right. Speaking of people handling junk, Tilly really reads into Michael and <laughs> she tells her how to handle her junk, and she's like, "The way you handle your junk." is like, let other people think for themselves. Don't decide that I can't handle it, so you're not gonna tell me, so he's gonna run away and leave me to like, you know, <laughs> you gotta tell me, it's my, it's my choice, my decision. Let me think for myself. And that's a really tough lesson to learn, like in life. So she's talking to her little brother now as she's walking through the corridor, kind of journaling, I guess, because of course she's not gonna send it back in time, but <sighs> uh, she's reflecting back on the last image of Spock that she saw and uh, reflecting on how Spock showed her how to do the, uh, Vulcan salute. Oh, yes. And this is the part where she reminds him that there will be people who will reach for you. Let them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is dangerous. People don't always have the best of intentions. They have the best of intentions for themselves, but not necessarily for thine. We wanted to figure out where they got these images from. Like, there was no camera over Picard's shoulder. Picard doesn't have android eyes to record everything he sees. So from this specific angle, this is the angle that Picard saw Spock, and it's the angle that he saw on the show. But where did they get these images from? I, I'm guessing that Data must have recorded them. I, I, maybe he has, like, a holographic recorder, although those aren't holograms, like... I don't know, man. They're obviously upscaling two-dimensional two images. Maybe she bought the Blu-ray of Star Trek The Next Generation <laughs> Season 5. <laughs> that could be... Or, I mean, she just replicate it. It's free. Just replicate the thing. Sure. So, here's here's one supposition that I've come up with. Tilly flipped on her buddy, Michael, if I'm not mistaken. Because Saru was like, what do I do? And she's like, oh, man, I don't I don't know. Like, maybe, I'll, maybe turn her in. I don't know. Because... And then, like... She totally got mm -hmm. burned a spot because she flipped on her friend. Like, 
oh yeah yeah it's just a rude like get her she's she's not being nice to you and then like she, i don't know she's kind of turncoat in in my in my humble opinion by saru's measure <laughs> saru's measure of is is tilly ready to be a first officer is well you've been through a wormhole into the future so technically by his definition anybody in that <laughs> could have been the first officer so what's up with my boy in the back what's up with, what's up with ronnie bryce what's up with oshikun like what's up with um detmer what's going on with reese like come on like reese can't be a first officer what's up like what's going on you got detmer you got detmer you got Oshikun. well i mean we, we don't want to you know what we could have done Oh wait, no, we already did that for okay. like an episode. You never said what it is. Say it. <laughs> they uh, mirrored having a black female second in command. Uh, what do you mean? As in the United States is. Oh, shes Michael. My, Michael was Mary. Wow, I mirroring. <laughs> so that makes Saru. That makes My... uh, Saru Joseph Robinette Biden, huh? They look very similar. Yeah. It's funny how that works. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> Except for Biden doesn't have all the purple Biden on him. all the wrinkly forehead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See what I'm talking about? And but Biden doesn't have all that purple uh, <laughs> the old wrinkly upper forehead, back of his skull. Really but he adds, they skulls. added, yeah, they added. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Joseph. Hey, somebody out there, please, if you have some expertise with Photoshop and After Effects, if you could do. <laughs> Joe Biden walking like Saru. I would love you forever. I promise you. <laughs> Dude, I totally want to see Joseph Robinette hobbling on down with his arms swinging behind his back on tippy toes. <laughs> but really, so uh, here's the secret: is that uh, first officer Tilly has been being groomed, I think, for this role since like episode one. Well, episode episode one of the discoveries here right because the first episode was burnham's here not discovery so episode two which is when discovery arrives in this time um and she went out for like the little yeah. the little walkabout with him on this ice planet like i think that sue or saru always intended this outcome and he always thought that he could get you know burnham's protege who's a little more you know, you know close closer adhering to the rules than she is and get his protege to be like his first officer if it comes down to it because he knows uh, that he and Burnham are going to bump heads at some point because that's what they do. They're brother and sister. Like, that's what they do. Who? Wait, who's brother and sister? Saru and Burnham. Like, Georgia's the mom and Sarah's the brother. I mean, they're not biologically oh, or right. even, like, sure. relationally, but, like, they, they yeah, fight no, like a brother and sister. Like, they talk to each other like a brother and sister do. At least, like, my brother and sister okay. do. You know, my brother and sister were way closer in age, and so I got to observe their relationship sort of from afar, and Saru and Burnham remind me of two people vying for the same goal, which is their, their mother's affection... <laughs> Their mother in the in the, uh, in the case of, uh, of of Captain Giorgio, not Emperor Giorgio, because Saru definitely had a distinction between the two. While Michael has a difficulty Completely. distinguishing the two, IMHO. Oh, you're right. She kind of does. Saru always seems super nervous, but uh, he seems really nervous about meeting the president of Vulcan. So this is the first time we're seeing the uh, president of formerly known as. Vulcan. Oh yes, I forgot. So we changed our name, did we? Never will the Vulcans and the Romulans reunify. Never. So, okay, so I guess we got to call our planet never, because that's what we said. Never. <laughs> I like her brooch. What did you think of her, her brooch there? It's always, like, in motion. Like, everything is in motion. Like, I never pause and, like, get a good, clear look at something. So, what I did was I kept looking for that brooch, and it's like everybody's wearing the same emblem, which appears to me to be a Romulan emblem, although the Romulan, like, the, the Romulan wings, as we knew them in the, during the next generation era, during the 24th century, were more, like, bird-like, right? These look like mm -hmm. bat wings, right? Mm -hmm. And then the IDIC, the IDIC uh, okay. logo is pointed upward instead of, like, sort of, like, what was it? Normally, like, up to the right, I think, or down to, to the, the right? To the side, like, 45-degree angle. Yeah, from, exactly. Mm -hmm. it, it's, like, 45 degrees from 90, so whatever that would be. This is, like, pointing straight upward. Like, the, the diamond part is at the top. And then, you know, I saw, I saw, um, you know, I saw the IDSC logo uh, on sale a while ago, like, maybe a decade ago, and it was, like, the ring was gold, and the the diamond was uh, the triangle was uh, some sort of other gem and then the what they part that it pointed to where the circle and the triangle meet was a diamond like that's dope like it was a really great piece of mm. piece of jewelry if anybody has that go ahead and send that to me thank you <laughs> here of uh, <laughs> Reno. Uh, 
so the uh but yeah i think it's, I'm, I'm i'm a little stymied by the bat wings like why do we change it to bat wings is that have some significance in their culture that it doesn't mean the same thing in, in earth culture yeah bat wings are not necessarily a sign of good things yeah. it's, it might be a sign of never so they they made some changes to the uh transporter room here i noticed we got the we've got the super fast transporters now right and like you can walk down yeah. off of them as they're going or are we to assume that well i mean that the whole ship got upgraded right so like we don't know really whether it's the vulcan transporting in or the transport our transfer room bringing them but it does appear to be yeah. the same but the other thing is is why do they even need to use a transporter when and they can just you talking about the transporter room yeah yeah the transporter yeah so like i think there might be like some some proprietary not not proprietary but like properness like just like even though there's a window like come in the door anyway you know like just the, just the way we do things like you gotta have a quarter yeah, deck on or, a ship. You, know, you gotta salute the guy when you come across the quarter deck you know you can't just like jump off the pier onto the side of the ship and and shimmy yourself through a porthole <laughs> just because the porthole is there you know like you still gotta come across the quarter deck and sign in so i think okay. that's why we still like keep the tradition of a transporter room because like you can have a totally sealed ship but you can only you should only transport it into that one place mm -hmm. where they want you to transport it and, you know, nobody wants you transporting into their bathroom while they're doing the do right like everybody in the bridge should have been like uh what is she talking about <laughs> like she this michael burnham character will put you in a in a situation and then like enjoy that you're there and then like just mm -hmm. keep barreling forward like yeah you may want to like you just pissed off the roof just a second ago, right? Like, and he was all yelling at you and drunk. Like, what are you off to? And like, your chief science officer duties only. And then you're gonna slip in on, slip in on in and be like, oh yeah, it's a calling cat. Look at her little, cat, way. look at her little blinky blinky thing. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> she's, she's almost well. They're still talking in the transporter room. Uh -huh. The president and Michael. Sure. And Michael's doing her little. It's almost like Georgiou's little blinky blinky thing to turn off the hologram. Oh my god. She's almost half offended, but trying not to show it. Yeah. But she's still gonna blink. Yeah. Oh, she just told. Okay, she just told her about her Surat Surat lawyer. Surat Surat. It's a calling cat. Oh, and Koat yeah. Milat is what you're talking about. Yeah, Koat Milat. Koat Milat. Yeah, you you learn the new vocabulary a lot faster and easier than I do. I do. I mean, I you can speak some Klingon, and I'm like, what? Klingon shovak machuvesh beher. I just like I think I like languages. I remember being 18 and in high school back in 1998. I, I can remember talking to my friend just before we graduated. Well, we were headed over to um, a particularly popular theme park up yeah, yeah. near up, up off of one of the Great Lakes. And um, I was talking to him and trying to convince him to actually take this uh, Klingon course with me. I, you know, I just bought the Klingon dictionary. I bought uh -huh. the audio version hosted by Michael Doran. Uh -huh. And I, I, you know, I just learned that the uh, KLI was, an, uh, is, was a thing for those not in the know uh, Klingon Language Institute. Yeah. And I totally wanted to take and learn as much conversational Klingon as I could. Oh, yeah, I got that book, too, Conversational Klingon. I didn't learn that much of it, but I did definitely go through it. And, uh, there's, you know, there's a Rosetta Stone that has Klingon, right? Oh, there is? Yeah, man. A Rosetta Stone that there's has Klingon? A, yeah, there's a Rosetta Stone course that has Klingon, for sure. Klingon, holy. It's not Klingonese. That's, you're <laughs> not a true fan if you call it Klingonese. Klingon, hoch. Hochhead. They're doing the little angle Batman shot there. What's up with that? Why'd they do the little angle Batman 45 shot? 45 degree? Well, you know, every time in, in Batman 1966, they do the, uh, the the crooked scene. Yeah, they they do love doing the uh, the comic book sort of uh, framing. Right? They, love, they especially love doing the comic book framing when uh, Michael is doing her lean stance. Because she does her lean stance and then they do the comic book framing and it's like everything's just way off kilter. It's like that's how we do it in Michael Burnham land. <laughs> but the other thing that just is occurring to me, I, I'm kind of I'm appreciative of how quickly they brought back the mom. Because how uh, long are we going to drag this story out? Yeah. It's all, okay, yep, it's here. Yeah, I did wonder that myself. Um, we're not even at the place yet. Like, there's a there's a reason why they wanted Gabrielle, but specifically her mom, to come along. 
um, to be there on the journey. Uh, I don't know what it is, but, but we mm-hmm. haven't reached it yet. Like we've just established that she's here. We've established how she got here. We've, we, you know, we've given her purpose for being yeah. here. And I don't think that this episode is the last time we're going to see her. Like, she's here for a reason, you know, and she's here with the full backing of Planet Never. You know, like I think all she has to do as a co-op my last sister is just to say, hey, I need some help. And probably Vulcan, uh, rather, Never is going to send their whole entire mixed fleet. I'm wondering, we didn't see any Vulcan, uh, <laughs> Navarian. Are they called Navarians now? Is that, did we call them Navarians? Are they? <laughs> Are the new variants uh, new variants? <laughs> They're new variants. New variants of Vulcans and new variants of Romulans. Are they, do, I want to see their ships. Is my point because Warbirds. I, I love a Romulan Warbird uh-huh. from the twenty fourth century. Like it, it, it's dope. I love oh, it. Oh, the big green eagle thing. The green monster with a hollow on the inside. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, so I definitely want to see and Vulcan ships. Fracking lame, IMHO. Like except for the one Vulcan ship that Spock took back in time to create the Kelvin universe. Now wait, which which Vulcan ships? Man, all of them that don't have that spinny thing on the back. What spinny thing? On the, the one back? that Spock took it, to create the Kelvin universe. Like it had the whole spinny thing. It was it was cool. What know, Kelvin here. universe? What are you talking about? <sighs> oh, are we gonna pretend like Chris Pine doesn't exist and all that? This is another this is another series that happens in the universe. It's called Star Trek. And it's got like Chris Pine and your boy Siler, like all them people's, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, let's just move on. Because we are talking about Star Trek Discovery, season three, episode seven, <laughs> Unification three. Yeah. There's a moment like after she says, hey, I'm gonna talk to call Niket, you guys, or to call Niket, you guys. And then like everything, and then the uh, communication ends, everything goes quiet and in the background, you hear the bridge, like actually the bridge is like, <laughs> like it gives one of those like classic Star Trek sounds. It just like perfectly accents the moment. I was very highly amused by it <laughs> when it, when the bridge is like. What? I don't know, man. You gotta, I, you gotta go back I'm and look sorry, at I it. I got lost there. For yeah, me. it's cool. Go back and look at it. I got tripped yeah. out by the uh, the the gong scene and they're they're all the hollow, you know, holographic torches are lit in instantly with the gong. You gotta wonder how much of that room was decorated by just hitting that gong. Man, all of it. I was very curious about the oh, yeah. representatives of Planet Navarre um, and what the breakdown would be. My understanding is that there, there's so there's a red-haired woman, right? There's the black guy, and then there's like <laughs> the like classic sniveling Romulan type, right? <laughs> the old, the old like guy with the bald head, right? The the Nobulan Romulan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does look Nobulan, right? So you got the the Nobulan guy. He's he's Romulan, and then you got. Yeah, the sure. the black guy who's Vulcan, right? And then you got the mid the the sort of like proto Vulcan uh, Romulo yeah. Romulo Vulcan, which is funny because like when I used to do role playing and stuff, I would call people of both Romulan and Vulcan heritage Romulo Vulcans, which is exactly what they called them in this show, and I was super psyched about it. Um, so you got the one Romulo Vulcan, the one, <laughs> the one, the one maybe Vulcan. They, maybe they stole your uh, your idea. They didn't, man. It's it's a, it's a portmanteau that just works. Um, so you got basically you have two Vulcans and two Romulans, right? You got two pure blood Vulcans, and then you got two people with Romulan blood in them. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. And I'm counting, by the way, I'm counting the president as among their delegation. Um, so you got a, sort of an even split: two Vulcans, two Romulans. Uh, okay. Which I think was she's interesting. sitting with Saru. Yeah, like she didn't she didn't join them, but she was part of the delegation that like came to the to the ship or whatever. The infighting that they have is ridiculous like they kind of go like they yeah. go on each other like he's like well uh before you start worrying about this shit why don't you take care of your shit back home because you got people like flipping out and shit like why don't you why don't you shut the fuck up and 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 just go along with what the vulcans say damn it you little bro me little vulcan not know nothing yeah. so, but how so but like this infighting indicates that like this yeah. this is very new for them like how long has navarre existed like how long has it been yeah. the burn was 150 years ago and navarre left after the burn happened but did we say were they Navarre then or were they Vulcan then? I don't know. Like I don't know how long they've been how long the planet Navarre has been the planet Navarre as opposed to Vulcan. The Admiral said something specifically. I think by then they were probably already near beer. But it, I I just don't think it makes sense for however long they've been reunified, why all these hostilities are still there after whatever it is, 150 years or 200 or 930, whatever. One, why did it take so long for the, it to happen in the first place? 
briefly, vaguely acknowledging the Calvin timeline. Okay. Did the, how do you pronounce it? Did the Horbus event happen, or did it not? Hobus. Because oh wait, Hobus. Oh, it it did it did happen because they referenced it in Picard. Right. That's why. So it must have been the unification must have been starting or getting pushed along during those activities. But obviously, then Starfleet kind of became did their their Star Trek Picard attack on Mars thing and and kind of got reclusive a little bit yeah but, um uh, I mean, not to I could imagine maybe a lot series. of them were, were huh not to spoil the entire Who's series spoiling what where uh yeah no never whatever mind. let's move on <laughs> <laughs> we, we we've already put all kinds of spoiler warnings on the front of so many of our episodes if you don't know fans by now <laughs> we 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 hold nothing back I, I think that it's possible that a lot of the Romulans from Rom, Romulus ended up probably refugeeing onto Vulcan in the first place, which yeah, that probably totally forced sense. some of the uh, unification. I really don't know, but it would make sense that uh, if the Admiral already kind of still knew the history of the former name of the planet, maybe it's a recent thing. Why would he even recognize the name Vulcan? If it happened over like a, over 150 years ago, why would he even need to know that? I guess he would know the founding members of the Federation. I guess, he, yeah, he would know Vulcan Andor and yeah. I mean, it's a, it would be a part of Starfleet history, sure, and it'd be a part of the Federation history, sure. And then our oldest enemies joined with our oldest friends. That's comfortable. Historically, we know some previous names of. Uh, other cities, historical Earth cities. Istanbul, not Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul, not Constantinople. Been a long time gone. Constantinople, what took you to light on a moonlit night? So every girl in Constantinople lives in Istanbul, not Constantinople. So if you've a date in Constantinople, she'll be waiting in Istanbul. Istanbul, Constantinople. Now it's Istanbul, Constantinople. You don't know that song? Do you not know the song? Uh, I don't think I've heard the. I, I don't know. Well, you'll hear it in the finally in the final produced version of this of this podcast. It will be in the background. <laughs> yeah, if we can get the rights for it, it's probably not seventy years old yet. Man, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a little snippet of it. Oh, okay. Must be a parody of a full full song. No, it's a, it's a full song, man. Just look it up sometime. Istanbul, not Constantinople. Or it might be called Istanbul. I don't know if it's called. Anyway. I like how the Romulan guy at some point. I don't know if they've got, gotten there yet. I like how he's all like, well, if you're not going to share the information on the SB19, yeah, man. we're going to share it yeah, because that's... you know we want to know. Yeah. I mean, because totally. for a, however long it's been, they they've been holding on to this guilt that they caused the burn. Yeah, and making the Romulans feel the same guilt. The, the Romulans totally being reasonable, maybe not logical about his opinion, but he's being reasonable. Yeah, he's being Romulan. Saying, you know, if there's something we can learn yeah. and exonerate ourselves, then we may as well. It's interesting how the Romulan is so for it, and the Vulcan is so against it that the Romulo Vulcan has to be like, I don't know, I'm going to stain. So it's still stuck at like Romulus against Vulcan, like, because this philosophy of Vulcan is like, we made our decision and we're sticking with this and this is the way it's going to be. And the Romulan's like, uh, yeah, but shit changes. So like, let's look and see if there's some information that tells us something different. <laughs> Vulcans are like, no, we know, we know the Vulcan Science Institute has yeah. determined that time travel is impossible. Well, but you just travel in time. How are you going to explain that? Not to reference Enterprise or anything. Well, I don't. I was gonna say I don't think the Vulcans believe that anymore. Yeah, they better not, dumbasses. Vakir mentions that he is a follower of the teachings of Spock. So a thousand years later, this okay. is a thing. Like this is a thing where people are following the. De- what are the teachings of Spock? I I can't even imagine. If if your if your captain really needs you, then you can violate the Prime Directive and General Order One and do whatever you need to help him out. Is that the part of the teachings of Spock? <laughs> um, also, he sure. added, he added, or the one. 
to that aphorism about uh, the good of the many because we didn't really hear that before until Spock said it was the one. Uh, his, uh, his teachings are extremely Vulcan and extremely Vulcan is not yeah. necessarily extremely helpful and that's not necessarily good. But, you know, I guess you could follow the teaching of Spock if you want to be all intransigent and stuff. No. Uh, there's also a moment where um, Gabrielle tends to, tends to imply, Dr. Gabby tends to imply to, uh, to Michael that uh, she's, not, she's not coming up off something. Like, she's not telling some, some, some important truth. But I don't know what that important truth is. I like everything she said, and I like how she just up and did it. Screw you, I'm going to do this. You need this information. You got to do the, the thing that they want you to be. Sure. And I'm going to prove it to you. If I have to alienate you in the meantime, then so be it. And it's so intense. I'm always like, oh, how could you, Gabrielle? Because she's looking at her like they're in the middle of the thing. And she's and she's like, uh, my daughter's not being honest. She's lying to all your bitches. So give us a second. Let us talk for a minute because I'm going to fix her from her. <laughs> oh, whoop her little tail. And we're going to get this shit together. We'll be back in a minute. <laughs> I, I'm going to be the best mom I know how to be. <laughs> and she definitely took took Michael out around the back of the woodshed and, like, lit into her ass and was like, um, <laughs> tell them the truth. And she did. And I was very floored that she was like, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm right or not. Like, I could be wrong. I could be right. But I feel like maybe I'm possibly right. So maybe let me try. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was very in love with the little phrase that the Romulan guy is like, Vulcans will choose whatever serves them best and then declare it logical. Well, that's true. That's a very Vulcan way. Wouldn't you say? Yep. So I'm getting a, a note from my uh, our producer that uh, we need to take a station break. Let's take a break. After these messages, we'll be right. Hello, I'm Andrew. And I'm Isaac. And this is Unplanned, Unplanned Trek. Trek. Why are we here, Isaac? Well, because we like the guys from Let's Talk About Treks. And we really love Star Trek and we really love planning. Unplanned Trek. Welcome back from break, everybody. Thanks for being so patient with us. I love I love seeing a uh, I was, about to do the, I was about to do the clap talk. I hate when people do the clap talk. I love seeing when people, so. I don't know anybody that does that. Oh my gosh. Well, you are not in Washington D.C. then, clearly, because these people do the clap talk all the time. And it's so annoying. <laughs> I, I, so what got me was, and I, I understand, you know, people's ears are different, but I, I, I've never seen such wide Vulcan ears and such laid back. They look like a cat. I, I tell you, he's ears. so intriguing. Like I just, I just became like entranced by him. Like I started, I just looked at him and I like took a really good look and I was like, he's pretty. Like he's really like he is very like wild look for like a Vulcan. The Vulcan admiral from before the time travel looked really interesting too. Yeah, so they do their ears. They've been doing their ears in a slightly different way. So uh, they're a little, I feel like they're maybe a little more swept back, but they're not. Like when I compare them to Spock's ears, they're basically done the same. But like, I mean, I mean, it certainly could be that the actor's ears are wide and, and not pressed against their head. Like mine are. This guy, this guy's name is Emmanuel Cabongo. Um, he's wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It gets even better. Hold on. He's from the Democratic. No, I, I like the name. I, yeah, I yeah. Fun no, of I'm saying there's more. There's more. Keep going because the name's gonna get even better when I tell you this. So he was born in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, right? So he's Emmanuel Kabongo from the Congo, for real. <laughs> <laughs> that's dope. That's a cool ass name. Like I, I dig it. I dig it. He's a cool ass Vulcan. Like so. Here's the thing that I've always that I felt about Vulcans. As soon as I saw Tuvok. I was like, oh, a black, oh, wait, hold on, a black Vulcan. Oh, wait, of course that makes sense. And of course, because Vulcan is a desert planet. So, like, Spock should be the aberration. Like, there should be a way more, way more of us on Vulcan than, than we have experienced, you know, yeah. in the 80s and the 90s. Like, it's a desert planet. So, Spock is like a Vulc. He's like a standout like the, the special guy because you know Volk was like the the albi the white guy I don't know he's like the white guy among all the Klingons so like Spock should have been sort of the same I mean I'm sure there, there are a lot of temperate climates and different cli climates on the planet like considering they have tides you know because of that moon well they they can't exist because they don't have a moon there was wouldn't well Vulcan could exist but there wouldn't have been any uh, life evolving on Vulcan without a moon I don't think we've talked about that 
yeah. I think we have. Have we? I think we have. We can talk about it again. It's okay. Basically, the idea is is that uh, the the moon moving our tides with the tide is what helps stir up the ingredients to life to help combine, maybe bring the the right amino acids together to kind of create life in the first place. So many animals, so many species are based on the tide, tidal, the rhythm of the tides that they would perish without the, the this rhythm that they have and that that they wouldn't know what to do without it so it's a strong evolutionary belief that there would be no life on this planet without our moon and without our moon in the size and the number that we have relatively to compared to our planet so we could have a bigger moon but our planet the planet would have to be bigger too okay so you i think that what you're i'm hearing is that the gravitational effect of the moon on the surface mm-hmm. interacting with water will because yeah. water is the way it is in gravity and like falls and moves like right so it, that gravity from the moon helps to like regurgitate stuff from the bottom of the ocean and thus create life is that kind of what we're getting at well sort of yeah but then well so i, I was talking about t- kind of two things uh-huh. the initial spark of life and then now today the continuation of life and the tidal lockness of our planet and our life cycles to the moon whoa so the initial spark of life may not have ever even happened without the 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 tides churning and moving around the earth and moving uh okay so you know together and I gotcha. I gotcha. So Earth, Earth, the, the garbage, the garbage disposal that is Earth, would not have been <laughs> what it is without the title, the title of the uh, the title effect of the of the moon. Yeah. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty cool, and I like the fact that you know they fixed the whole Vulcan has to have a moon thing because it's cool. I just like the, the all of the ideas they do around planet Vulcan. It's like that planet's history and all of its stuff is so interesting, and there's so much. But it seems like it's so, and it's so, I don't know, maybe it's because they're Vulcans and it also just seems so straightforward. Like, I, I'm really surprised that the Satask part of the, oh, hold on, hold on. I, I don't want to give away too much from the, from the secret, super duper show, but like, I'm surprised that this, uh, the stuff about the Romulans and their, the past of the, the culture of their past, their past culture has yeah. not been more canonized. Oh. Well, it's kind of hard to do when there's so many novels out there, so many books and video games and fan fiction and plays and all kinds of media, uh, official and unofficial, that Gene always took and Rick always took the stance that uh, if it's not on screen, it's not canon. I know, but this is this. It's 2021. It's not 1966. Let's recognize that people have put heart and passion and love into these books that are or if you're not going to recognize it then at least create your version of the story that sure is a canon yeah yeah, yeah. let's do yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, if 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 you don't like it overwrite it but if you don't overwrite it then i'm going to assume that that's it right well like at one point you were telling me about the andorians having like five genders they have four genders yeah it's great okay four yeah. Well, and even TNG, they called a female uh, Andorian, and they showed her she was green. Yeah. And Enterprise came in and rewrote that. Unless there's, there unless there is four genders. Although they did show that there is a white variant, so maybe there is a green variant of the Andorians that we just haven't seen since TNG. I'm gonna say that that may not have been an Andorian. Maybe the computer made a mistake or something. Because I, I that's the only instance of green Andorians that I know of. Could you do an emerald chain wedding where you have an Andorian and uh, an Orion uh, come together and then create a child and see what what the frail color is that gonna be? You have a well, I don't know. Page. And I mean, this like, century they're they're working together. So why wouldn't there be a? Yeah. Andorian Orion uh, hybrids. I think that there's a class, uh, there's a separation in class uh, for them inside the Emerald Chain. It seems like the Andorians are the ground fighters and the Orions are the controllers. And then, like, sometimes they masquerade, they do like the um, the undercover boss thing. They like masquerade as like one of the lowly workers in order to like see what's going on with the. Uh, <laughs> or, 
maybe. So Mike McBorden took a moment and she like walked out of the uh, of the thing, you know, so she could yeah. like talk yeah. to talk to her mom and be like, and uh, everyone rose up for her like real quick. <laughs> Like everybody in the yeah, room like popped to uh, attention. Like it's super fast. Like a judge walking out of the room. Yeah, exactly. Like everybody popped right up, like real quick. I don't think they expected her to. Everyone seemed like a little alarmed, but everyone did it. But like they, they just popped up. Like it was amazing. It was, it was, it was amazing. It was, I was very impressed by by their reaction. I think that we should convene a uh, we should convene a uh, a twenty first century uh, to call and cat of our own, not of our own. <laughs> But of like producers, you know, like you could you could get Alex Kirsten to be one of the people, uh, Rod Roddenberry could be one of the people, and then like you know maybe me, you know. And what we do is we review all of the beta canon of Star Trek, and we put our our stamp <laughs> approval. Well, remember this was a quorum, so that was there's certainly more members. Oh yeah, so let's have you know some people who can vet themselves as like having grown up either in the 22nd century or the 24th century. Who could tell you where the Freling bathrooms, plural, are on the bridge? <laughs> like if you could, if you could stand there yeah, and yeah, let yeah. me know which one is ops and which one is con without thinking of it. <laughs> if, I bring you into the, if I can bring you into the bridge and you know exactly where to sit and which buttons to push, then you can be part of our uh, part of our call and well, cat. one of the things is that I don't think they ever. Well, maybe they did show over Data's shoulder when he's typing on it. Oh, homie, wait, hold on, what? Yes, they did. They showed exactly what he was doing, and I knew. I watched what he was doing, and I was like, "Oh, so you hit this to do this, and this to do this," and you have no idea how rewarding it was. Well, and, and that's exactly where things like Galaxy Quest come from. Yeah. Is they watched the show and they made their ships work. The aliens made their ships work exactly the way that, that it apparently. They're supposed to on this show. I know you don't watch The Ready Room, right? Which is that show hosted by Will Wheaton that's after each one of the discoveries. And I haven't gotten into it yet, but I think I will start or kind of pick up. I watched some of them. So Will Wheaton's a pretty dope guy, right? So at one point he mentioned to someone. Yeah, I'd love Will Wheaton. He decided where all of the controls were. And when they told him to do this command, he would do that command. And when he told him to do this other thing, he would do that other thing. So that's how... I could follow it because he was actually doing a thing where he would do, you know what I'm saying? Like he had a, a, a control method in his head that he followed mm -hmm. and like, you know, well, but on the other hand, L cars or cars or however you want to pronounce it, L-C-A-R-S, it's yeah, an anagram. Yeah, yeah it's the library contract system retrieval service. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. yeah, it's an, it's an, it's an anagram. It's a, not, not anagram. L's a call. Right. Now you got me all messed up in the head. Let's say yeah. yeah. It's an acronym. It's an acronym. It's an acronym. acronym. Thank you. I knew there was a Y in there somewhere. Uh, they're they're completely personalizable. So when Wesley sits down at the at the at the controls, he just types in his login and it does it puts his controls where he wants them. It does it the way he does. Yeah, it do the way he do. <laughs> and then if Picard takes the helm, uh, then Picard just types in his login. And it puts the layout the way he likes it. That is a good point. Okay. Well, let me tell you, if I sat down at the helm console of the Starship Enterprise, I would just put it, I would turn it on to Wesley's settings. Those are the only settings I know. <laughs> I don't know, Jordy. Jordy was flying the ship for a little uh, uh, hot yeah, too. Different, different command set, though, because it was configured for him. Not only that, but hypothetically, you could sit down at Khan, tell Khan that you are to act as helm now yeah and yeah. It, it would just and log in as wesley crusher and and it would give you the helm controls and at con if you want you got a little tiny helm control that you can send back to the captain's chair you, you can go back to science too <laughs> right up on the upper left back back there on the uh on the starboard side and uh the aft starboard side yeah and 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 you can reconfigure it for the helm like you could do that you would go down look you go down to the nursery okay and pull up mr <laughs> bubble on his computer and reconfigure him to control the whole okay, ship okay. okay like what wasn't it called relics oh 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 saru is using the wrong hand to do the vulcan salute i don't think He's it matters near, well it does why? What makes you think it matters? Why, why does it matter which hand you shake with? But your, they're not your touching. Your right hand is the right hand. You want to do. With. You want to. If you're you right, can. They're not touching, but yeah. there's still the tradition that you use your right hand to do the Vulcan salute. Oh. If you reach out to somebody with your left yeah. hand to shake their hand, they're gonna be like, "What?" Yeah, but they're gonna switch hands and, and grab it real quick too. Well, no, yeah. actually, right now they're gonna they're gonna be like they're gonna look at me at the moment. They're gonna look at me like I'm crazy because like who shakes hands? Well, yeah, that. The, these days, but 
before all this happened. Yeah. People are, are, are going to get mildly offended at the social faux pas of using your left hand to shake your hands. I think that it could potentially be like, like, like a social insult to use your wrong hand to do the Vulcan salute. That might be fair if he weren't a foreigner. He's clearly a foreigner and he doesn't know the ways, so let's let him slide, right? That's kind of how we do yes, it. Yes, but he's also in Starfleet, so... They know where he's, where he's from. And they probably have an well, idea. Of, oh. You keep on saying where, and I think you mean when. This is what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I love the the fade out and the pull out of the. Show. The end of this episode has a great flyaway scene. It is this is the one? Is this the one that ends? Because I don't have it in front of me. But this is the one. Is this the one that ends with like? They're they're on books. They're they're on books ship, and they're looking out her window, and they're looking in. Yeah, yeah. Is he backing out? Backing out? Backing? I love those long, 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 long shots. I want to see one of those. Like you can see the whole galaxy, and you come in through someone. Well, then you go, in, and then you go through someone's window. That'd be dope. <laughs> <laughs> so like this is the this is the episode where Chili's finally like, let's do Andromeda. We're gonna do Andromeda now. And they're all looking at her like, what? Like, y'all, y'all didn't watch Andromeda? Where, like, they go and they, like, rebuild the Federation and stuff. And they have, like, a whole, like, ship that's sentient, right? Kind of thing. Like, a <laughs> ship that's sentient and rebuilding the Federation. Y'all paying attention here? Y'all done Andromeda? <laughs> go over to Pluto TV and find yourself Andromeda and watch Hercules in Space doing Andromeda. Because it's, it's so, it's so cool, man. It's so it's cool to sit. And that's what Discovery is doing now. So welcome season four. I, I fully welcome season four and its whole Andromeda. You mean they don't finish in season three? Uh, One thing I can't get used to, Oh, though, whoops. <laughs> whoops. Did you spoiler it? I don't know what you're talking about. We're looking, for, we're, looking for this, we're looking to find out what caused the burn, right? That's our whole purpose. We're not, like, our whole purpose is not bringing back the federate, the whole Federation right now, right? Like, it's truly in a job. We're trying to find out what, what the burn was about, right? And then we can bring yeah. the Federation back. Two things. Uh-huh. One, One. it's kind of trippy that this is the exact middle episode. Huh. Okay. In a 13-episode season, huh. number seven is huh. six and a half. That is a good point. Yeah, I got you. I'm tracking with you. That's very interesting. Hmm. The turning point, you might say. Yeah. Okay. Ah, ah, ah. Not only that, but I'm, I'm I'm still not used to these less than twenty episode seasons. Ah, I know, man. I miss it so bad. I mean, but they they're doing them so well. Yeah. That I I really can't complain. Like I I would love twenty episodes, but if you're gonna give me like, you know, half that number of episodes, but it looks like you spent double the amount of money <laughs> well not only that but it's certainly if you're going to give me half the number of episodes my and, and yeah I appreciate that there's no commercials in there but my episode better be can I get 45 minutes man yeah well I, I'd like an actual hour long 60 uh, minute episode I, I gotta forgive them the. I'll forgive them 15 minutes but I need at least 45 minutes but you better not give me very many 45s Cause that's that's on the low end. I mean, like I'll let you slide with forty-five, yeah, yeah, yeah. like two or three times a season. But you're not gonna give me ten, forty-five. Yeah, no, I mean, there's no, no, a couple of episodes that are fifty-five minutes, fifty-four minutes. There is an episode that's longer than an hour. Are you talking about a two-part episode? No, I am talking about an episode of this season of Star Trek Discovery. It is longer than an hour. Is over sixty episode. minutes. Uh, have I seen it yet? I I'm not sure, but I do remember this being the case. Um, I didn't know that the, this was the title of the episode, Unification 3, until Will Wheaton told me on The Ready Room. And I was like, oh. I, I, like he looked shocked and amazed and excited, and I was as shocked, amazed, and excited <laughs> as he appeared to be. So it was like mind-bending for a second. Like, how are we going to do Unification 3? Oh my God. <laughs> 61 minutes, I found it. I don't I you didn't did. look up at the title. But oh, it it's, it's the one that happens in the future? Like it hasn't yes. you haven't seen yet? Okay, okay, okay. So I won't I won't worry about telling you the title. Here's one Light and Shadows season two, episode seven. It's what now? Thirty-nine minutes. There's sometimes they just like throw it at you like, take this show. Such sweet sorrow was yeah. Oh yes. It sure was, man. That was a long show. Oh, maybe there was four minutes of preview previously. No no no, I don't think they include that in the time in the runtime. Oh, okay. So, but why didn't they just cut those six, four minutes off of that and put it in the previous episode? Because Such Sweet Sorrow Part 1 is 47 minutes. Yeah. If you added four minutes to that, that would bring them closer to each other's runtime. 
the the joy the beauty of that episode is that it it it, it features the first few minutes of season three because really oh. we should have like the moment we entered the worm the moment we entered the wormhole should uh-huh. we should have stopped the episode right then because they're uh-huh. done with then right so we should have started season three with all those crazy special effects and the season and the and the star trek one special effects on the bridge maybe uh six the the four minutes or whatever it was was, it was um, all that special effects scene <laughs> well it was showing off the uh, four minutes to showing off the enterprise bridge oh yeah we do that circling around like <laughs> like the lower like lower decks did here's another one that's under 40 minutes Battle of the Binary Stars, episode two. But that's also a two-parter. Yeah, yeah. yeah I guess I figured uh, we're giving you two episodes. We can give, we can make one a little short. It's fine. <laughs> Here's one that's exactly 40 minutes. The one that we're reviewing next, that we in our timeline will be reviewing next. Oh, so up next, by the way, we're going to be doing Star Trek Discovery, season three, episode eight. That is called The Sanctuary. And then my buddy Earl, some things are going to pop off and you're going to love it. I'm going to be really psyched. And I think pop this very, man, there's some things coming. There's some things, some, some greatness coming in. in uh, there's some phrasing. Some great, great Star Trek is coming all well, over. And, and, and the thumbnail has the doctor all in white. So, I mean, phrasing. And there we've done it again. Another successful episode of Talking About Treks. Do you have one of your specialized sign-offs today, uh, Mr. Gray? Um, just the one that I tried to use last night. Um, I hope you have a great day or night wherever you are and be safe. Support the continued making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako 3Bird. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.